0: Well, for those of you who are used to taking notes as you listen to sermons, just let me tell you that within this message this afternoon, there are no numbered points. Hopefully you'll discover there is some point in it, but there are no numbered points in it. Life as it should be lived, unless the Lord builds the house. Unless the Lord guards the city. Why do so many apparently successful people of all ages and across all levels of society, why do so many of them seem to suffer great unhappiness? Pop stars, successful businessmen and women, celebrities from the world of film and TV. You read their biographies... Failed relationships seem to feature very large in the lives of such people. Those who've accumulated and acquired so many of the things that other people aspire to. You'd think that in people like that, something such as suicide would be almost unknown. They have everything after all. But we all know it isn't. Because they are far from satisfied. They are far from being fulfilled. Unless the Lord builds the house. Unless the Lord guards the city. It's all in vain. This is a psalm. You may have a note of this in the the version of the Bible that you have, the publisher might have told you that this is accredited to Solomon. And actually, this opening verse of the psalm has a real flavor of the book of Ecclesiastes about it, doesn't it? In Ecclesiastes, Solomon examines life from two perspectives. The first, life lived in the absence of God and with no thought for God, compared to living life in the reality of God's presence. Life without God, Solomon concludes, for all its worldly successes and treasures and rewards, and he knew all about that, without God is meaningless. This psalm calls us to remember that as Christian people, We now are those who view life and who live life from a completely different perspective to those all around us. Or at least we should be. They are without Christ. And because of that, they are without hope in the world. Just living ordinary life brings to us all kinds of challenges and cares. And most people, they would say, well, I just want somewhere nice to live and someone nice to share it with. Wouldn't they, probably? And that sounds simple. It should be very straightforward to do that, shouldn't it? You look around the world and it turns out it's far from simple. It should be simple. But we... On account of our sinfulness, we cannot keep it simple. It just doesn't work out that way. Because of the pride of self, it can be very hard to maintain proper relationships with other people. It can be very difficult to be truly looking out for the other instead of yourself. The sinful heart, what a challenge that is. We just can't do it. Not the way we need to. Because of the way we harbour in our hearts malice and spite and bitterness and a stubborn spirit, we find it far too hard to be humble and meek and forgiving Because of envy and covetousness, contentment becomes a very elusive commodity indeed. Because in the sinful heart, lust is so often stronger than the ability to resist it. Remaining faithful is a challenge that many fail. I remember being amazed at one celebrity wife who several years ago walked out on her husband. And why? She felt bitter and regretful that she hadn't been able to continue her successful career while her husband had enjoyed a good job in the media. So she left him so that she could be free to go and do what she wanted to do. And of course, in the society in which we live, it comes as no surprise to discover that there were those who applauded her for doing it. Some who would be pointing their daughters to her as a role model. That's what a strong, independent woman looks like, they will say. How very... Very sad. Unless the Lord is building the house, unless the Lord is guarding the city, it is all in vain. And you're surrounded by it every day. And you and I are to be different. If you've ever read the newspapers, if you've ever listened to documentaries on the TV, far more successful professional footballers than we realize have all kinds of problems with addictions, most commonly, alcohol and gambling. They have success, they have fame and acclaim. Most of them get more money in a year or so than you or I will earn in an entire lifetime. They have all the worldly goods anyone could ever hope to surround themselves with. They have a beautiful wife, a beautiful house, 2.4 beautiful children, and their career finishes in their mid 30s, and suddenly their whole life and identity is gone. Their lavish lifestyle has cost them the fortune they were paid. And they have an addiction that they can't control. And it's bleak. Now, they're not all like that. Of course they're not. I know they're not. But why are any of them like that, given all the advantages they've had? Why are there any? The Bible gives you the answer. Unless the Lord builds the house. Unless the Lord guards the city. It's all in vain. Have you noticed what tends to happen nowadays? Whenever, whenever anyone buys a new house, the following day, a skip the size of a swimming pool will be delivered onto the driveway And it seems that the entire interior of the house is ripped out. Kitchen, bathroom, several of the interior walls, half the roof. And the whole house is completely revamped from top to bottom. Because as it is, it simply will not do. It's got to have... All the latest styles and trends and you name it, it's got to have it. And then, in some cases, five years later, they'll sell up and move and do it all over again. And in the house that they just refitted five years earlier, the next person arrives, so does the skip, and the whole process repeats itself once more. At least that's how it seems to go nowadays. Now... Not everyone is like that. But why are so many like that? Just can't be content. It just escapes them. Unless the Lord is building the house. Unless the Lord is guarding the city. So much of it is just in vain. I've mentioned this guy before, but I vividly remember reading this interview. It was with a guy called Chris Dawson. He's the guy who founded and used to own the retail chain The Range. He doesn't own it anymore. He gave it to his wife a couple of years back. Apparently, it was a tax dodge of some sort, um, but that's what he did. But this was an interview with him several years ago when he still owned that chain of shops. And the photograph of him was there with his several hundred thousand pound Rolls-Royce that he was stood alongside, you know, the scene. All the usual trappings of success as a businessman. And his was a real rags-to-riches story. A man who could barely read or write when he left school. And he said that he clearly remembered the day when it hit the headlines that he was officially a billionaire. Now how would you respond if you were reading in the papers that you now are a billionaire? How would you think he felt? Do you know what he said? I just felt empty. What do I do now? (laughs) Isn't that remarkable? Or maybe it isn't. Unless the Lord is building the house, it's all in vain. And here we are in lockdown in 2021. Yeah, I know you don't need to be reminded. How many times in the last 12 months have you heard the words mental health being mentioned? Now, it's an important issue. I'm not trying to be dismissive of it at all. It really is important. But we're not surprised by it either, are we? Why aren't we surprised by it? Because... If the Lord is not building your house. If the Lord is not guarding the city. The house of your life. The city of your life. Your home. Your family. You're in trouble. You've got nothing without him. Now. These troubles which can come upon, they, can come upon, upon, they can come upon and across any of us. But they are multiplied. If the Lord is not in the picture. If the Lord is not guarding the city. The city becomes very much more vulnerable and in danger. Now of course... We ask the question, are Christians then immune to mental health problems? Well, no, of course they're not. We wouldn't dare to suggest that's the case. Even some of God's great prophets in the Old Testament struggled with depression and anxiety at moments in their their lives. On occasion, one or two even pleaded with God to, to end their life, to relieve them of the misery that they felt. I'm sure the Apostle Paul on occasions had great anxiety of heart. But what do we read in the Bible? We read that God was able to keep them. God was able to preserve them. God was able to restore them and even make them useful again. God is able to give sufficient grace and comfort so that they're able to persevere through those times of trial. And sometimes the Lord will take even Christians through very difficult seasons of struggles and afflictions which are very hard indeed. Let's be realistic. These things happen. It has to be understood. We're not trying to pretend that it's otherwise. But nevertheless, in society in general, this focus on mental health And the troubles that people have in that area, it's really poignant, isn't it? With a psalm like Psalm 127 open in front of us. Why so much depression and anxiety? Why so many people affected by it to such a degree? Perhaps you can relate to what we read there in verse 2. Rising up early, sitting up late, eating the bread of sorrows. I wonder if that's if that's you. You're up in the morning before you've had sufficient sleep. You toil all day long. And then you're up far too late to get sufficient sleep. And so the, so the cycle rolls on. All kinds of reasons why that could be, aren't there? Perhaps you're a workaholic, you just can't sit still, you're never content with what you have. You must simply work, work, work. Perhaps you're in a stressful situation at the moment because of this virus going around. Your jobs become much more difficult because of it. Your home life with young children has become much more difficult because of it. You're up in the morning, you haven't had sufficient sleep, and you have a really hard day. And you're not getting to bed in time in the evening to have a sufficiently good sleep. And it's tough right now. And all you seem to have to show for it is the bread of sorrows. Weeping while you eat. Maybe you're just not very disciplined and you just need to learn some self-discipline. Whatever the circumstance is, whatever the situation is, I want want to encourage you to meditate on these verses. Ask the Lord to help you to do it. You remember the story of Mary and Martha when Jesus came to visit their home? And Martha is flying around the kitchen trying to get a meal ready for all these visitors who've descended on their home She's getting more and more exasperated. She's getting more and more angry with Mary because she's just sitting there listening to Jesus and then she starts getting angry with Jesus because he's just letting her do it. Any Marthas here? Probably. You might be a man, but you still know you're a Martha. (laughs) Now listen, I'm not going to pretend that these verses or any verses in the Bible are like a magic wand that you can just wave over a situation and it just makes it right. God's not a spiritual Mary Poppins or Nanny McPhee and everything just gets sorted just like that. You just finished singing a catchy tune or banging your walking stick on the floor and zap everything's right again I think we can be a bit more realistic than that but I want to encourage you to meditate on these verses and ask the Lord to help you to know the reality of them in your life every day unless the Lord is building the house Unless the Lord is guarding the city. Unless the Lord is with you in the building of your life. In the the establishing of your home. In the nurturing of your children. In your employment. In all of these things. That we get down before the Lord and beseech him afresh. That with him, and he with me, that he will build and guard me and my family. Of course, all of these things apply into church life as well. But actually, in the, in the context of the whole psalm, it, it seems to be much more personal than that, and much more family-oriented than that. Putting the Lord at the front and center Of everything in your life. Your relationships. Your marriage. Your children. Your parents. Your job. Your finances. Your health. Your house. That pesky broken boiler that keeps letting you down all the time. That you put the Lord at the front and center of all these things. That he will build the house of your life and your home. Your desires, your affections, your priorities. Those things you've convinced yourself you must have that you can't possibly live without. All of your trust and all of your hope. Those things that you've allowed yourself to put in your mind as being a measure of your happiness and your contentment. Ask yourself questions like this What have you planned and prepared for better? Your retirement? or eternity is your chief concern your treasure in heaven or your assets here on earth what would it be if the Lord is building the house And that all of us, in response to these verses, we would see what the really great need is. The great need is for all of us to say, Lord, here I am, and here is my life. Here is my home. Here is my marriage. Or here is my singleness. Here are my children. Or here is my not having children. Here is my everything. Lord, you build it. You guard it. You let me do with it as you would have me do. As you open up the word of God each day, Lord, by your word, by your spirit, build and guard my life for Christ. And note that this verse doesn't say that it's all the Lord and no labour for us. It's not suggesting that you don't need to labour. It's talking about labour without the Lord as opposed to labour with the Lord. It's like those stories in the Judges we've been looking at. And actually throughout all of the Old Testament, Israel goes out to fight And they really do fight in a real battle with real swords in their real hands. And yet, we also read that it's the Lord who gave them the victory. And the Lord did it by the edge of the sword. And it's actually, you read the story, it's hard to see the join between the two. It's meant to be that way. Actually, there isn't supposed to be a join between the two. The two are one together. The Lord working in and through his people. It's difficult to draw a distinction between where, where does that end and where does that begin? Between Israel winning the victory and God winning the victory. Where is the it's it's just all one. And that's exactly how it's meant to be with God's people, is it not? that you are abiding in Christ and Christ is abiding in you. So these verses aren't saying that, well, you just sit back and do nothing because God will do it all without you lifting a finger. No, it's, it's you giving yourself fully to the labor with God in Christ. You abiding in him. Him abiding in you. Think back to the first hymn that we sang. It's a really well-known one. So some of you will be able to actually bring to mind some of the words in some of those verses. Be thou. It begins, doesn't it? Be thou. Be thou my vision. You be my vision. Lord of my heart. Now that's someone in whom the Lord is building the house. Let everything else be nothing to me except what you are. The Lord is guarding the house. You, you be my best thought. Your presence be my light. You be my wisdom. You be ever with me, and I with you. These are the words we were singing. You, my great father, and I, your true son. To be in your likeness, to be in your image, to have your nature taking shape within me. You, my shield, my sword, my armour, my strength, the shelter for my soul. My high tower, the place of safety and refuge to whom I run and I am safe. The one lifting me ever more heavenward. What else did we sing in that hymn? I don't need the riches and praises and commendation of the world. You are my inheritance. You are all I need. I have everything in you. You and you only. Number one. In my heart, that's how and when the Lord builds the house of your life, of your family and guards the city and enables you to sleep at night. Lord, make me regular and consistent in the times that I spend with you and in your word. In your grace, instruct me, correct me, equip me, strengthen me, build my life, guard my life so that I am who I ought to be in Christ. Build my marriage Build my home so that we are who we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to be in Christ. Help me to truly raise my children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And let me get that right before I start to worry and fret about getting the schoolwork done on time. Not that the schoolwork isn't important. But get your priorities right with your children. As I go about my daily employment, let me do so as one who is evidently one in Christ. Change my affections, change my heart so that it's a reflection of Christ's heart. Change my loves and my priorities. To be towards those things which count in eternity. And even though you may call me to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You are with me. And your rod and your staff. They will comfort me. It will still be a deep valley. It will still cast a long Dark shadow, but God is there with you in it, and you know He is, and you feel His presence. And even there, even there, the Lord keeps building the house. And God's the city. How can you eat your bread. And do so with joy. And thanksgiving. Instead of in sorrow. How can you lay your head on your pillow at night. And know in the depth of your soul. That nothing that you have done that day. Has been in vain. There are millions out there who are searching for the answer to that question. If you're in Christ, you have the answer. The Lord builds the house. And the Lord will guard the city of your heart, of your life, of your family. It's when you walk in closely with the Lord, allowing Him, allowing Him, allowing Him to build the house. Pleading with Him, trusting in Him to guard the city of your life and of your home. And of your loved ones. That every single day. You can rejoice in God. And in all his mercies and goodness towards you. Which truly. Are following me. All the days of my life. And then. And then. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever.